Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Here's the problem with the Philadelphia 76ers. Ben Simmons. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. It's over, bro. His career is over. Sell the Liberty Bell, just throw it in the bay off the bridge. It's done. Nothing is making me happier than the destruction of the Sixers. Today's guests, former NFL executive Andrew Brandt, 2013 U.S. Open champion Justin Rose, plus from Amazon Prime's Bosch, actor Titus Welliver, and now... It's Rich Eisen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Live from Los Angeles, California, I am your humble host sitting here in the host chair getting ready for a fun three-hour conversation with you and with my guests. This will be a good time uh, for everybody right here uh, over the next three hours. I, I, I personally guarantee this show's freshness right here on NBC <laughs> Sports on Peacock right here on this Rich Eisen Show radio station, whether it is terrestrial or satellite on Sirius XM channel 211, uh, the NBC Sports audio uh, cha- uh, channel, as well as NBC Sports on Peacock every day after Dan Patrick, taking you to brother from another. If you don't have Peacock, you should get it. It is at PeacockTV.com is how you can go and get it, and it's free. And we're in front of the paywall, just like uh, Chris Brockman in front of the paywall. Good to yeah, see buddy. you. Yeah, buddy. What's happening, man? Just like uh, all of uh, Mike Del Tufo's clothes in front of the paywall. <laughs> yes. Wow. It's true. Definitely not behind the paywall. No. Definitely you didn't pay for any of that stuff that you have I take any day. TJ Jefferson, a good morning to you, sir. <laughs> Rich, I'll never get over the fact that the Sixers didn't take Jason Tatum. I'm just... Well, uh, I, I'm, just, I'm not. That, did I overhear that as soon as we went on the air today? Today's the four-year anniversary of that? Four-year anniversary of Tatum going three to Boston. I mean... Congrats on, on Markel Fultz, TJ. <sighs> I mean, he was right there. It's not even like you have to play a game. Like, Simmons, Embiid... And Tatum, he was there, and we didn't well, take him. Well, and and here is the um, here's here's my take on it. Um, also, just clarifying the way I started the show yesterday, and Fultz is a perfect way through. Actually, it's an excellent portal to get to the point that I wanted to clarify because I did. Um, you know, I'm not like Larry Sanders. I don't go home and watch the show. Okay, I don't. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like I got stuff going on. I don't do the show and then watch it but I am, a le- I am a lead pipe wielding professional so I'll watch stuff back to see if things can be improved upon to see if you know the way that I'm delivering my remarks can have a, a tweak here or there or to see if I made any sense <laughs> and also to see you know uh, if something is clicked on more often than not what what that is and 
Yesterday's show open was our number one video on our YouTube page yesterday, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Once we're we're done here, you can see our show again on on demand on, on NBC Sports on Peacock if you want to see it. But you also can go to our YouTube page. But at any rate, the open of the show was the number one uh, video, and I, I declared Ben Simmons a broken player. And I want to fix or, or just it, not fix it, amend it or 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 make sure you understand everybody out there what I mean by that. Because I also mentioned a couple of times that he was afraid to take a shot. And that is, I think, one of the uh, worst indictments you can make on a professional athlete, someone who's drafted first overall, someone who makes as much as he makes and somebody who means as much as he means to his team, to call somebody afraid to take a shot. I I think that's what I mean by he's a broken player. That somebody with that history and that level of talent doesn't shoot, doesn't have the confidence to shoot. And it is a mental thing. And we always talk about the mental aspect of the game and how important that is um, and how important you know mental health is. And I'm not saying that he's mentally unhealthy, but on the court, I think he is. And so he's a broken player in Philadelphia. I don't think his career is over, although you might have declared that yesterday, Chris, in a, in a fit of I got of peak, a little carried away. In a fit of Boston <laughs> I, I, hating Philadelphia. I got a little carried you know, away. Did you um, review the tape as well? Or? <laughs> yeah, maybe well, I that's should part of our It's part of our show open today, our crack uh, corner of the Rich Eisen Show operation that handles that shows Chris's rant from yesterday saying that his career is over. It's far from over. You even heard... Brian Windhorst come on the show yesterday and say that if he's made available, lots of teams will will do that. As you know, every coach thinks they can fix somebody. Every coach thinks they can fix somebody. But I think Simmons is is a broken player in Philadelphia. I think that that's that what if the Sixers run it back with him, if they decide to, you know, what well, let's just put you in a gym. Doc said that he's got a plan for 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 Simmons and won't reveal what it is that's between him and Ben, what he's going to say. And uh, Brian Windhorst yesterday on this program, when asked what his trade value is, interestingly enough, went in a direction that I didn't see coming. He mentioned the Olympics, that he would play for the Australian national team, which has an excellent team, a very guard laden team. So he wouldn't play guard. He wouldn't have the pressures in the Olympics, on the floor in international play against NBA-level competition, more often than not, or at least on occasion, that he would be able to show off a different skill set than the one that the Sixers were requiring of him in the construct of their championship run and championship plan, and that he would be able to use the Olympics as a showcase opportunity to show everyone hey, I'm shaking it off, I have the ability to do this, and I'll show you some other skills. Maybe similar to the ones that he showed when Embiid was hurt. Right. Well, after going off the air yesterday, Windhorst must have looked into it after coming on this program. And his reporting says he's going to turn down the chance playing in the Olympics, called a doubtful said it, he was doubtful for 
the play for Australia and Tokyo Olympics and will spend the offseason working on skill development. Yeah, Doc came out yesterday and said they're coming up with a plan. I know. Said he got a plan, but they're, you know. Where's been? Where's the plan been the last few off Here's the problem. You could plan all you want, and he could turn down the Olympics and the live action and intensity that he cannot replicate in a gym. You just can't replicate that intense pressure of teammates looking for the ball or you needing to shoot because your teammates are covered because you're uncovered because you now have a reputation of not wanting to shoot. Heaven forbid you're fouled in the process. And we could talk about the gym and all of that stuff. But when rubber meets road, when balls tipped off and fans stroll into the arena in Philadelphia, that's the crucible. One, two, three, four games of a stretch where he's not performing well right off the bat. It's the same way, the reason why I wanted the Jets to get rid of Sam Darnold. Because you, in the new Jet regime, now own Darnold's development. And what has happened over the last three years, you could coach it away saying, we're hitting a reset button. You're mentally clear. Hit that reset button. But when the first pass sails in MetLife, and the fans are not spelling J-E-T-S, they're spelling something else that we can't mention. You now, as a coaching staff, own it. Next year's team will have this issue. That's going to be the issue. Can he come out and perform very well? Of course he can. Can he perform very well, and then all of a sudden, January, February, it happens again? Even if he has a successful regular season, first playoff game next April. You're going to re-own it. You're going to re-own it. And the playoffs, as you know, show the warts and all that might be covered up in the regular season. That's why I think he's a broken player in Philadelphia. And the Sixers should use every opportunity to find a new taker for Ben Simmons. And the number of times I did ask in yesterday's show, who's going to take him? I, I I think I someone know. will take him. I someone don't know will. if you're going to take yeah. take the whole salary, what you're going to get back in exchange. I mean, that's a that's a hefty ask. That's a big lift for the team that's going to acquire him. Timberwolves, Bulls are being teams that are throwing There you go. Out Send him elsewhere. Yeah. Give him an opportunity to start fresh because what just happened is an indelible mark, I feel. And he's got so much upside and such a big you know, chunk of his career to come. I just don't think it's going to work there in Philadelphia because of what's happened, because of the track record that's laid down. Can you play beyond it? Sure. I don't know of many people who have had a start to a career like this in a town like Philadelphia, stuck around and then succeeded. I don't know. I don't have a working knowledge of Philadelphia sports like that. I can't think of anyone. Okay, there you go. Not in that town. Because you're going to, honestly, he could come out and just great first half of the season. Hey, makes the all-star team. He's feeling good. Now here's the first game against uh, so-and-so in April. Game five, game six, game seven. Goes to the line, misses it. Here we go again. That's tough. 
Send him elsewhere. New fan base, new start. That's what I mean. I think he's a broken player. I should have finished my sentence in Philadelphia. I understood what you meant. You know? I knew. And you got to be mentally tough. You got to fight through it, man. And it just seemed like he didn't want to fight through it. Kind of threw his arms up, figuratively. Well, and the, I, you know, and 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 let me just put a fine point out, and I'll turn to you in a second, TJ. Is that uh, Giannis? Giannis in in Brooklyn, making free throws with people counting to fifteen in the stands. I mean, they were reaching 13, 14, they were 15. Getting the, they were which, in the 13 way, every time. Which, by the way, if I'm the Nets, I'm like calling up the league office. I'm like, I thought it's a 10-second violation. <laughs> you know, they weren't counting really fast there in Brooklyn. As they were getting more and more lubricated, the, the counting took like a little a longer count. even. So it sounded like a good count to me. But as that's echoing, and he did throw a couple of air balls did in the he air. He did have a couple. And, uh, but it was... It was tough to watch. It's tough to watch. It's tough to watch somebody mentally struggle when they are so physically talented Mm -hmm. and to watch somebody struggle. And it seemed awful. It seemed mean-spirited. You know, but I'm sitting there explaining to my family who's thinking maybe this is a little mean-spirited because Giannis is just as likable as they come. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. You want to root for him. Yeah, you want to root for that guy. Right? But it's just like if you are struggling, and this is part of the this is part and parcel. Certainly, if you are playing anything in the northeast part of our country, <laughs> where you've got to have a thick skin, and that's why I'm genuinely concerned about Simmons being a viable player in Philadelphia. What were you going to say? Well, I, I feel like the writing was on the wall when Embiid gave his post game presser, and he said what he said. The turning point being what again? He said, it, that, "Well, he goes, we had the lead, and then we had a wide I, open lay. I don't know how I should say this, yeah. and he goes, we had a wide open layup, but then we missed it, and we only made one foul shot. Yeah, passed and, it up for a free yeah. throw. And yeah. Winhorse said that that's not when they lost the game, but me as a fan, like that was the moment because I I'm looking at the play right now. Ben got the ball on the block. He's backing up." Dario and I'm like, all right, bet he's going to turn dunk on him. The ball pops out. He recovers. And I'm like, you know, your heart gets up like, oh, yeah. And then he dishes it. And as a fan who was so fully invested in that game, I just threw my hands up. Right. I was like, you have to be joking. They really lost that game, TJ, in my mind when they come out of a timeout and they have to have they have to have a score. You got to have a score. And and Embiid's given the ball at the top of the key. And he feels like he, he needs to dribble to make a. He needs to dribble to to get to the basket. Well, that's the and, and Gallinari the pokes it free. A lot, like. I know that. That's and that is part of the problem. When you know, we, I, and I'll just finish up by this, and then set up the rest of the show. I, I heard Rex Chapman on Dan's show on the drive in today, and Rex Chapman told DP, whose show precedes ours every day on this NBC Sports. Uh, sport, uh, NBC uh, Sports, uh, Sirius XM Channel 211 and NBC Sports on Peacock. Rex said that Jason Kidd frequently passed up shots. He was timid shooting when he first started and they were teammates together. And the problem with that is, is other teams knew it. And other teams would defend shooters like Rex coming off of their screen and he'd they'd have a second person he'd come off the screen and there's a second defender waiting for him and kid can't 
you know, pass it to him. Rex doesn't get the shot, and Kid can't give it to him for the shot, and Kid doesn't take the shot. And the reason why there's a second defender there is they know Kid's not going to take the shot, or they're afraid of him taking the shot. How are you going to win a game seven in a situation like that, especially when they have on the other team one of the best shot makers that we're seeing born into this league? And a bunch of other people who are not afraid and who are making it like the turtle, Kevin Herter. <laughs> Red Velvet. You know, the crazy thing is Jason Kidd, when he retired, wasn't didn't he have the second or third most made threes? Yeah, he really changed. Well, and they and again, that's that's what Simmons has got to do. Yeah. Get in the gym, shoot five hundred times, six hundred, seven hundred times, thousand times. Problem is how are you gonna recreate the crucible? Okay. Remember they called uh, Jason the Kidd Asen? Because he didn't have a J. No J. <laughs> yep. You're right, though, Richard. It, it, you got to work in the gym, but nothing's going well, to compare to that. Would, I, I'd say just go to Tokyo. Go to Tokyo. Play play with the Big Australian stage. team. There's Big no, stage. there's you know, the stakes are not nearly as high there for, with all due respect to the Australians. I mean, right? Right. The pressure's on Team USA, as always, in this competition in the Olympics. Go there. As Windhorse pointed out, they have a bunch of guards there. You're not expected to play that. Play something different. Go have some fun. Yeah, play the four. Have That's a good it. time. Go. Get in the gym to prepare for the Olympics. Use that. Show everybody you can do it. Get traded. Get the hell out of Philly. Our show today, uh, Justin Rose will be here on this program. We'll talk uh, with one of the top players on the PGA Tour, fresh off of a U.S. Open appearance. He's playing in the Travelers this week in Cromwell, Connecticut, where I've had many a, a round at the TPC, just down the road from Bristol, Connecticut. Connecticut. I'm, I've probably lost at least two dozen balls on one particular <laughs> hole. So More than the Justin Rose somewhere. will lose this If weekend. you've watched a television show on Amazon Prime, <laughs> it's most likely because Bosch helped build that brand. The first show in the history of Amazon Prime to make a big-time hit and impact the star, Titus Welliver, before the final season, seventh and final season of Bosch, Hits Amazon Prime on Friday. He'll be joining us on this program. I loved him in Deadwood, The Town. He's in all of the Ben Affleck-directed movies. But coming up next, let's take a break in person. We said yesterday, hey, Andrew, how'd you like to come on the show and talk about everything that just happened in the Supreme Court that he was tweeting about, the Supreme Court dunking on the NCAA? He's like, I'm in town in Los Angeles. How about uh, I come in in person? We're like, how great. So Andrew Brandt, the longtime NFL executive, the business of sports podcast host and more in person, an actual human being, <laughs> not named for the three of you. I'm genuinely <laughs> excited. Hey, no offense. Hey, 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 With all due respect. Yeah, okay, right. I'm a tremendous Coming slouch. up next from the MMQB and more. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. 
Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code EISEN. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. <laughs> Were you a trial lawyer? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I was a commercial litigator. So, so I did, like, did trial ladies work. and gentlemen of the jury, like you did that, you have yeah. opening statement, closing statement. Mm -hmm. The one case that I had that was somewhat, gained some notoriety was I represented a costume manufacturer against Barney the Purple Dinosaur. <laughs> so the, okay. The, the, okay. the group that owned the rights to Barney went around, and they have to do this, called Lions Partnership. They were, they were suing people who were infringing upon the, the image and likeness of Barney. And so if you don't you know, protect your rights, you can lose them. So sure. it just kind of happens that way. So I was representing a guy named Philip Morris, who owned a Morris Costumes. And he described himself as the Colonel Sanders of the costume industry. They sold this thing called Hillary the Hippo, which looked exactly like Barney. <laughs> and it was just being rented for people to do, uh, you know, uh, parties yeah. for their kids and yeah. all that. So we wanted to settle the case right away, but they wouldn't settle it because they wanted to make a they wanted to make an example out of it. Oh, no. So we went to federal court and won. No kidding. Yeah, we won. And, uh, and we wound up, then it went to uh, the, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. I had to argue about Barney the Purple Dinosaur one step away from the United States Supreme Court. The funniest part, and because the case is over, I can say this now. Yes. Um, I, had, I had had the costume, the evidence of the trial, I had the costume at home for some reason. Yes. And my wife and her friends used it to have a birthday party for some of our kids. <laughs> For some of the kids in the neighborhood and they had all you know this is back before cell phone pictures and all that so sure. they had pictures of all this so i'm like are you what are you doing not, like do you realize this could end the trial right here if if the you know if the other side got a hold of this is that this why it never made it to the supreme court no 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 oh, okay. no we wound up uh it, it, that that never would have made it period but the fact that it made it to the fourth circuit court of appeals i would have loved it just uh just to hear jay bellis justice renquist i ask you i subpoenaed <laughs> barney to the trial <laughs> 
<laughs> Honest gets, to God, this gets. Better. I subpoenaed Barney to the trial. The other side said, "You're, you know, Your Honor, um, you know, we can't do that. There are only three of these costumes in existence. It's yes. on the road doing this. The hardship of bringing it in, and the costume is uh, six foot eight inches tall, weighs like two hundred and fifty pounds or whatever." And I stood up and I said, "Your Honor, I'm six eight and I weigh about two forty. I got in here just fine." <laughs> And so the judge ordered the costume and they brought it, they brought it, opened up this big truck and they wouldn't let anybody see it unless somebody was in it. Barney pops out of the back of a truck onto the loading dock. The judge came down, all the the, the court reporter and every employee of the federal building was there uh, to see it. This is a celebrity, right? It was the the dumbest thing you'd ever seen in your life. (laughs) Jay Pillis is scheduled to appear on this show. Next week as well, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for the entire archive of our program. Uh, this is exciting for me, not just because I uh, genuinely uh, like this man, but he also agreed to appear in person, and he's an actual human being sitting in, a, in, in the show guest chair. Uh, the only man who could follow up Stephen A. Smith as the uh, in-studio guest previous year on the program. We read his stuff on the MMQB and enjoying his podcast and his newsletter as well, which we'll get into. Andrew Brandt, former NFL executive here in person. Good to see you, sir. Great to be here, Rich. You know, my son moved out here a couple years ago. He's a music producer. He's doing great. Mm-hmm. I try to see him as often as I can. So I'm out here in West Hollywood. And, of course, that Supreme Court case came down yesterday. You reached yeah. out to me and, like, you can not only talk to me, but you can actually see me. So Sold. It worked out. So here I am. Great to be with you. Great to actually do this. I mean. I know. You take it for granted. Oh, my God. Here we are, live in person, no mask, and we're making this happen. I know. Science is amazing. Uh, it I'm is. glad that you are. I'm glad that you are here. Let's get into that Supreme Court case again. And uh, it was chewed up and spit out so much yesterday. What's You're now a day clear and having read everything, including uh, Justice Kavanaugh's yeah. scathing concurrence where he basically um told the ncaa that not only did you lose here today nine nothing but be careful because the whole economic model of the ncaa could be illegal in antitrust law what do you make of of how we might see college athletics change based on what happened yesterday? yeah you know rich for sports law nerds like me it's a big day we get giddy because there are not many of these cases the last one was three years ago, as you know, when the court ruled sports betting can be implemented. New Jersey started it, and now 23 states have legalized sports betting. This one's about a real limited category of rights for student-athletes, but as you mentioned, I'll talk about much bigger implications. So the actual case said the NCA cannot restrict education-related benefits. What's that? Tutoring, study abroad, internships, science equipment computers, you know, that kind of, and musical instruments, that's kind of benign, right? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, yeah, they opened that up. But as you said, the majority opinion, Justice Gorsuch, and of course the concurring opinion by Justice Kavanaugh, were very strident against the NCA. They basically said, in so many words, bring on the next one, and we're going to open this up further, because the NCA can't rely on these age-old definition of amateurism. It's just not going to last. So college athletes are going to have rights beyond this. It's just a matter of when. They said the NCAA is not above the law. You're not going to get an antitrust exemption. And yes, you have to allow more education-related benefits. You can't restrict that. As of today, schools can start giving out more science equipment, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the next case is going to be more. Because Brett Kavanaugh, who knew? He's the champion of student-athletes' rights. And he says... You bring another case, 
we're going to strike it down, any NCAA rules. But let's be clear. This was not a pay-for-play case. Everyone's talking about you're going to pay student-athletes, you're going to pay college football and basketball players. No. Mm -hmm. But the language was the NCAA is not a monopoly. You can't do this. And we're going to allow student-athletes more rights in the next case, in the next case, in the next case. So let's just let's just break it down and brass tax it. Yeah. Um, Nick Saban signed a, a contract extension through when? Chris Brockman was it again? 2027? 2029? 2029. Will he have a, a player getting paid because that's the way things go in the NCAA by the end by the time his contract is over? I think so. I mean, the next two weeks, Rich. We haven't even talked about NIL, name image likeness, mm -hmm. revenue for college athletes. It's coming. Six states implemented already. It's going to start July 1. The NCAA is having an emergency meeting today, not related to the case yesterday, but about this name image likeness, because the, the floodgates are opening July 1. Other schools and states have to react to Florida, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama doing it. That's going to start July 1 in some form or fashion. Student athletes can get endorsements. Again, it's not the schools paying, but you go down the street to Joe's Chevrolet. Buddy Garrity. Yeah, The Buddy yeah. Garrities of the world are, right. from Friday Night Lights are going to basically say to the star, I guess here in California is one of those states. Yeah. Florida is one of those yeah. states. You know, like the UCLA, the UCLA quarterback here in town, we might see him for, you know, some Chevrolet, some sort of Honda, some and sort of And then Nick Saban you. is going to tell the recruits, hey, you come here. Freshman year, you know, maybe you'll get two hundred grand in NIL. By senior year, you're you're making a million dollars in NIL because we're Alabama. Because that's happened already, and that's going to continue this arms race in college athletics for the big time. I think bottom line, Rich, in a number of years, we're going to see two tiers of college athletics: one tier that the NCA controls and all the sports that we don't hear about much, and then big time college football, basketball. It's just going to be something else. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be NCAA-legislated sports. It's going to be something else, more like pro sports, but still have some elements of no pay or limited pay, some controls over it. Well, is, is it tied to academics in any way, shape, or form? I think, think it will be, but I think the restrictions will be loosened big time. And I'm a little conflicted because my day job is running a program. I know you had Gabe here yesterday mm -hmm. on, the, on the program. I run it at Villanova. We have 24 sports. One, mm -hmm. who happened to win two of the last five NCAA basketball championships, makes money. So, yeah, I'm conflicted because people think college sports is, you know, college sports is 98% of the athletes aren't going pro. So in some ways, that's good. NIL can give those players some modest income. Right. And, you know, the Trevor Lawrences and Zions, they're going to be fine. But... Maybe this helps out the majority, the vast majority of college athletes. Andrew Brandt here in person on the Rich Eisen Show from the MMQB. And what do, what do you do at Villanova? You run their, their sports law Yeah, there's law a Mora, Jeff Morad. He's out here. He Jim. ran the, he owned the San Diego Padres. He started a sports business and law center at Villanova. Okay. I teach. I run the program. I'm executive director there. Former uh, front office executive of the Green Bay Packers. And we're going to hit all that yeah. uh, here in the, as you're here for the rest of the hour on the Rich Eisen Show. So then what... How how do we corral this and um, make this fair, and not not just for the student athletes, but for the competition? Because this is the wild wild west yeah. here. You know what I mean? Where 
you know, one town in Unforgiven, you can't bring guns in, and <laughs> another town, it's not a big problem. You could do whatever the heck you want to come into this town. And so somebody that already has a big-time college football or basketball program says, we're in, we're in, in an NIL-positive state, right? Yes. Uh, we're, we're, you can do whatever you want, and other <laughs> programs don't. And then there's suddenly scheduling issues and league issues and conference issues and money issues. Yeah. And and then players will, will want to unionize. Yes. I mean, th- there will be somebody who's like, let's get you all together in a room so you can collectively bargain with the Pac-12, with the Big Ten. Yes. I mean, isn't that coming based it's on coming all of this? You know, we know college sports is a two-tiered system already. You know, you can't compete with SEC football if you're some mid-major conference. But I think what you've identified is change is coming. And the problem with the NCAA, and I understand they have a tough job, but they're only reactive to two things, legislation and litigation. If not for those two L's, legislation and litigation, we'd still be in the 1960s. But doesn't that describe every sports league in America? though? (laughs) And the lawyer for this case yesterday, the Austin versus NCAA case, as you know, is our friend Jeffrey Kessler. And Jeffrey's the prominent sports law attorney in the country. He's represented the NBPA, the NFLPA, the Tom Brady case, the U.S. women's soccer team. He's a four-letter word to many NFL owners. But he's still after it. And he'll be that guy. When Brett Kavanaugh says, bring it on, he'll be that guy. To bring it. (laughs) To bring it. And he wants it all. What he wants is take all the restrictions off. Let the free market decide. Now, would that mean that Trevor Lawrence was going to make several million dollars, if that was the case, to join a, new, a school four years ago? Probably. Would that, where would that money come from and what would it restrict? And there's my confliction, if that's a word, because then we're talking about what about all the minor sports? The money's got to come from somewhere. And Jeff would say to that, and I've had him interviewed on my podcast, he said, well, I would... Kessler, you're referring Jeffrey to? Jeffrey Kessler okay. would say to that... Well, they can just pay the, the Nick Sabans $10 million instead of $12 million, or they can not have water slides at Clemson, or they can not have Norma Tech boots by every locker. You know, but then you get back to the arms race, because if Clemson doesn't do it, someone else will. So this is where college sports has become, as I keep saying, this two-tiered system. You have college sport, basketball, and football at a level that's unbelievable. And I have, you know, Villanova, we're, we're big time. They're telling me what Kentucky's doing, what North Carolina's offering. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, we got to compete with that because you want to get the best players. It's all about the players. So uh, what, what next? What next? I mean, sir, so because it, it takes a while for someone to bring it to the yeah. Supreme Court. And is the NCAA at least realizing that or, or Congress realizing that that something needs to be codified and then set in stone and the NCAA does not appear to be the organization that should do it or has the capacity to do it, to figure this out, like get smart people in a room to figure out what this construct is because the last thing you want is the Supreme Court to make a ruling and then all of a sudden the next day, you know, recruiting season's open. Right. Right? I mean, so what happens next? So I mentioned Andrew. two words, legislation, litigation. The litigation we just talked about. Legislation, we talked about the six states. There are more to come for NIL, maybe even before July 1. And then you get to federal. 
So federal, we've seen bills. Cory Booker's got a bill. Marco Rubio's got a bill. Anthony Gonzalez, former NFL player, has got a bill. It's bipartisan. Mm-hmm. It's politically popular, whether you're Republican or Democrat well, I mean, right now. We saw 9-0 in the Supreme oh Court. My God. How often do we see that? And they're, the conservatives were most vigilant for student-athletes. So I think one of these bills will coalesce. Now, will it be a bill that the NCAA likes? Like the Rubio bill seems written by the NCAA. Or will it be a bill <laughs> like the, the Cory Booker bill, which goes way beyond NIL into health benefits and pension, like all the collective bargaining stuff? We'll see. That will be something to watch now. Before we get to the next Brett Kavanaugh, bring it on Supreme Court case, I think we'll have a national bill. And even with everything swirled around this country, it has taken on momentum. There's all these swirling bills in, in Congress. And Joe Biden has given some modest, a modicum of support towards getting this done as well. Well, here's one thing I don't want, because I do want athletes to get what they deserve. Yeah. And I do want somebody who blows his or her knee out in a sophomore year and have the trajectory that could wind up professionally blown out. And I do want health care and I do want something set up for athletes. I do want that. What I don't want, and I don't think anybody else who might agree with what I just said wants, is to have where you're using the Trevor Lawrence name because he's as famous and as generationally talented as an amateur athlete is or we've seen in zion i don't want to see those guys go to a school and then become a free agent for other schools in the middle of their eligibility Uh, that i i don't want to see that professionalized environment in the collegiate level yeah and i don't know if that's possible right like where you sign a letter of intent there's no transfer portal or you can't use the transfer portal to get more money from another school. Right. Can you see something like that's I'm already seeing like that could be the way this eventually winds up going. Certainly when you do have a generationally talented person to basically say, well, coach, you pissed me off. Screw you. I'm in the transfer portal and I'm willing to take one more year of eligibility and, and, and go somewhere else. Right? I mean, don't you think something yeah. like that could happen? I mean, this is the debate, and I've been on some committee discussions with the Big East Conference, where, let's, let's talk NIL. What is the value of the name on the jersey? So if a player on Duke or Villanova or Alabama or Clemson makes X in NIL, what would he be making if not for the name Clemson, Duke, Villanova, right. etc.? This is where it's hard to quantify the value now listen, Zion, not Trevor Lawrence because there's no option, but Zion could have gone G League for a hundred grand or whatever, whatever the max was, two hundred grand. But he chose Duke because Duke has incredible brand value. So when we start talking about brands and value, you really have a hard job extricating value from the brand, the college, and value of the of the athlete. Will there be a free agency system? I don't think we'll get to that, Rich, but I do worry, as you do, that with more rights, it becomes more professionalized. And, you know, we see G Leagues, we see other leagues pop up over time. That's probably the future. But if you choose to go to college, you're choosing something different than that. Andrew Brandt here on The Rich Eisen Show. His podcast, The Business of Sports, can be acquired wherever you get your podcasts. He's got a Sunday 7 newsletter uh, on this subject matter with over 10,000 subscribers. We'll talk more about that along with uh, a little bit of NFL 
your former Green Bay yes. front office executive. You came on the show a few weeks ago and strolled down memory lane about what's going on with Rodgers now. Yeah. We're into the summer, and since our conversation, Mark Murphy has said something else in a public forum. Uh, I want to hit on that as well as just the business of the NFL in a certain way when we come back right here on the show. I've got Andrew Brandt in person. Don't go anywhere. We've also got Justin Rose and the actor Titus Welliver still to come today. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A couple of narratives I want to throw at you here. You tell me if this is true, anything, anything to it, because this is what we're all talking about out there and what I'm sure you've heard. The narrative that you based on the way that your team drafted, have a monster chip on your shoulder this year and the way that you've shown up the first two weeks would support that theory and narrative. What do you say to that, Aaron Rodgers? I think I've always found inspiration from various things. And as a younger player, you know, even before uh, I got in the league, you know, there was a lot of slights that I felt about, uh, you know, the... uh, scouting my performance and my abilities and who thought I could play and couldn't play. The thing is, you know, as I got older, you've had to find new ways to, to be inspired by things. I think, if anything, it's it's almost the opposite. I'm, I'm completely at peace with where I'm at in my career. And that's what's, you know, freed me up and allowed me to, you know, to get to this comfort level is, is, uh, is the peace that sometimes surpasses even your own understanding. And I don't have bitterness towards the organization, or Jordan, or anything associated with that. I'm just, uh, I've been working on myself. And I think a lot of times when people, you know, see whether it's a narrative about my, you know, mental state or how I'm playing, you know, they have to, they can't just, it can't just be a positive thing. They have to say, well, it's a shot at somebody or a slight at somebody, or he's got a, he's, it's an F you to somebody or whatever it might be. You know, in this situation, I really feel like it's just, I've, I've been, 
choosing to work on myself and uh, you know, I feel really good about where I'm at. We're in the second year of a system uh, that guys are just playing a little bit faster and we're finding ways to be more efficient. I mean, that, that doesn't maybe sell a lot of uh, papers or get a lot of hits on the website, but to me that's, uh, that's closer to the truth than uh, this idea of uh, some monster chip. So in terms of your, your receiving mates then, um, do they have one? Because the concept that uh, you didn't get the help that was required speaks to the fact that they're not good enough. Again, I think everybody has different ways of being motivated. And I think, you know, Alan Lazard has had a plenty of, uh, you know, chips he could put on that shoulder, whether it's Jacksonville trying to make him a tight end or us not letting him work with the green group for the first whole first training camp, even though he was dominating on the other side of the field working against the twos and threes, or the fact that we cut him, or the fact that we put him on the active roster and didn't dress him, and the fact that maybe when we finally dressed him, we didn't play him. So he's got he's got plenty of things he can he can have chips about. Marquez, same thing. I think Marquez, you know, his thing has always been about his own confidence, and the more confident that he is, the more he can just relax and not put too much pressure on himself, um, because I think he is uh, such a talented guy. But I'm proud of those guys, the way they've stepped up and, and the training camps they've had and how they've gotten off to a good start the first two games. Boy, I love that interchange exchange from a few years, a few months ago. Uh, last year, we just played uh, for our Peacock audience back here on the Rich Eisen Show radio network as well. Um, about uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers going down his entire list of his teammates and their chips that they would have on their shoulders and just knowing everybody's slights and everybody's way that they've been slighted to um, be a good teammate, to be very honest with you. And Aaron Rodgers front and center still with the Packers. And we're back here with Andrew Brandt, former Packer executive, now at the MMQB and so much more um, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Um, so you had a front row seat to Favre's drafting and Roger, uh, I mean, to uh, Roger's drafting and, and, the, and the end of, of the Favre regime yeah. there. Uh, how was, what's your recollection of Rogers in the Jordan Love role back then? What's your recollection of that? Yeah, I mean, I've told the story and we did this a couple of weeks ago, you know, taking Aaron when he felt us, you know, all the guys we had rated in first round grades were gone except for one and all the combustion in the room, whether it take a guy that wasn't going to help us right away. Obviously, we did. He came in. You know, it was a little bit frosty having, you, you know the two guys well. We have California Cool, Aaron, mm -hmm. and Southern Mississippi Country, Brett Favre. Uh, and Brett was making comments. I'm not going to mentor. It's not my job. I think one of the things I feel best about is over those three years, those guys' relationship did warm, and it warmed to a nice level. Obviously, Brett retired, he came back, it was a messy divorce, but before that, those two really did start getting along well. Aaron was a backup quarterback. You know, Aaron was uh, a young guy coming into Green Bay from California. He babysat my kids, you know, he was dating a local girl in Green Bay. It was just a different kind of experience being a backup quarterback to, of course, where he is now is a completely different level. Uh, wry sense of humor, never seemed to take anything too seriously, as you've seen, just has a nice way about him to just be calm, relaxed. And when that whole storm went in 2008, when Brett came back, Aaron was as cool as a cucumber. He really just stayed the course, stayed on task. And he had the emboldened nature of the organization saying, we're not going back. You have the keys to this franchise. And yes, 16 years, Hall of Fame, best player in 
history of the team was coming back wanting his helmet. And, you know, I told you those, that day that Mike McCarthy told Brett those three words, we've moved on. That was poignant. Did you know he was going to say that? Yeah. You did? No, yeah. we had moved on. You had moved on. And, and what Jordan Love is going through right now is what gave us so much confidence about Aaron. In the, in the off-seasons of 2006 and seven, we saw Aaron run the team. Brett stayed in Mississippi, as he does during the off-season. Off-seasons then were different. And Aaron ran the team. And, and I had guys coming up to us, Greg Jennings and James Jones and Donald Driver. Like, this kid can play. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. He's kid can play. I remember <laughs> I was telling the story about when he came out on that night in, in Dallas. When, yeah, yeah. When uh, Favre versus Romo. and uh, It was I, electric. Yeah. It was electric. And uh, one team was undefeated. Another team had just one loss. Yeah, we were one. Yep. And um, and Favre got hurt. Yep. And Rodgers came out. And we're like, well, that's the end of that game. And, you know, the game didn't go Green Bay's way. But he played Mooch, well. It was me, Mooch, Marshall Falk, and Sterling Sharp in the end zone watching Rogers work. And after every throw, we would look at each other and go, oh, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> holy crap, he can play. Can he? It, it, it was a remarkable He came night. in that draft week. We had the minicamp, as everyone does, right at draft week. And he came in first player, first series. He rolls right, hits Donald Driver in stride like 65 yards. Ted Thompson, who had no reactions to anything his whole career, locked eyes. Somehow we locked eyes. And he gave me that look like, we're good. <laughs> like, we're good. Like, we're good for the next 15 years. And the whole idea of taking Jordan Love, of course. The Packers fans, I say this in a, in a positive way. They're the most spoiled fans in the history of the sport because they've had now 30 years mm. Of franchise quarterback play and the whole idea of taking jordan is to have 45 years of franchise quarterback play if he's the guy but that is something to have 30 years of that andrew brandt here on the rich eisen show former packers front office executive so what do you th interpret the complicated fella comment from mark murphy and how that informs maybe the next several weeks and how this plays out if yeah, at all? i mean listen andrew there's this there's a chasm whatever word you want to use a fissure between the Packers front office, which includes Mark and Aaron. I don't know how deep, and I don't know what the real foundations of it are. I don't think it's taking Jordan Love. I think it's bigger than that, and I think it was before taking Jordan Love. You know, Mark, I think, just wanted to appease the group of season ticket holders or whatever high-rolling Packer fans that he was talking to and just kind of threw that comment out. I don't take it as strategic. I don't take it as directed. I don't take it as some kind of plan to Aaron. Having said that, Rich, doesn't help. Hmm. Doesn't help. I mean, and and invoking Ted, who obviously passed away, and Ted didn't say much, but I'll, I'll say one thing about Ted. Ted realized his shortcomings. He was elite talent evaluator, picked Aaron, picked so many others. Picked Aaron against the world saying, you shouldn't pick Aaron. Um, but he was not a communicator. He relied on me, relied on John Schneider, Reddy, Reggie McKenzie to sort of communicate with agents, with players. So mm -hmm. he didn't do that. You know, it seems, I, I don't know who it is. It seems Mark is the communicator between the Packers camp and Aaron's camp. It hasn't worked. I'm not sure if there needs to be another voice or if there is another voice. The frustrating part is we all know, 
is everyone asks, what would you do? Well, I'd get in a room, I'd talk, you know, close the doors, lock the bathrooms. But it seems they've done that. Mark's been out there. Matt's been out there. I mean, uh, you know, Brian Gudikins has been out, out here. I'm sorry, in L.A. Right, yeah, right. Yet here we are. Yet here we are. And the message they've given him, what sources have told me is, we love you, we love you, but, you know, we scout, we manage, you play. And we're still at that kind of, yeah. Do you think the complicated fellow, because we just heard, I'm trying to square all comments. Yeah. We just played again prior to this segment, Andrew Brandt, Aaron, albeit week two, between weeks two and three of the NFL season, a lot happened, obviously, in the season and the way it ended with him coming off the field and Brady winning with yeah. a team that he just joined after 20 years. So he could see that going elsewhere isn't the end all uh, of, of a career. It, it, it can actually be the birth yeah. of something new. But him saying that he was at peace with the way that he was playing football, he wasn't playing with a monster chip on his shoulder, he was at peace. Is it possible that everything that went down, he was at peace before the season, knowing this is the end of it, and that he is going to be the guy with the resolve to say, screw it, you're going you're gonna to mess with me, I will just keep going and I will sit at home. Enjoy Jordan Love at the Saints on Monday night against the Lions, against yeah. the Steelers on a Sunday night in San Francisco. Enjoy it. Yeah. You go for it. Like, could he be that guy? He could. I, listen, I, I don't think he will be, but I think he could. Here's the deal, Rich. I said the draft day of, of Jordan Love, I said two things I've never thought I'd say. Number one, we have an expiration date on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Jordan Love will play. Aaron Rodgers will play 15 years ago. He is going to play. This idea that Jordan Love's going to be a backup or he's going to flip him for another first round. No. The only question is when, and I'm pretty sure the Packers' plan was two years. Aaron sat three. Two years. So in 2022, we turn it over to Jordan. Aaron's like, I was just MVP. You want me to do that again, get you to the Super Bowl, and then turn it over to the kid? I'm not down with that. What's in it for me? So I think it's about this control for the timeline. He's like, and I bet this feeling was like, just do it now, 2021. Right. And they don't want to do it now because the Jordan Love can't play now. And the draft <laughs> choices that they would acquire for Rodgers will only be improved. Well, for, it, the story, story broke on draft day, but you wonder, like, are they going to get something done, like, right now? Because that was the value. Well, there was also no, there I was mean, the, the cap, the cap would have been, yeah, I, mean, you, right. I guess you so, could have made the trade then and then put everyone in bubble wrap to make sure they didn't get hurt before June 1. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, but I don't think But it's 2022, and, and that's what the Packers, I think, want. We're going to trade him in right. March of 2022, and he's like, uh -huh, let's just do it now. Or, the bottom line is, is he going to sit? I don't I don't see it. How do people get your newsletter? Andrew-Brandt.com. I just sort of want to do more content, you know, more than my columns at Sports Illustrated, more than my podcasts direct people to some of the stuff I'm doing. It's been great. You know, it's a way to me communicate uh, access that you don't have otherwise. Andrew-Brandt.com. Okay. And then your pod is? The, the business of sports. Yeah, wherever you get your podcasts. It's good stuff. And there will be lawyers. Where did that come from? <laughs> put it out on Twitter one day and it sort of took. Because there's know? always going to be lawyers, Andrew. <laughs> I mean, there will be lawyers. There's one sitting in your chair right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, there will be lawyers. No matter what we talk about in sports and business, but sports even, 
there will be lawyers. Well, and then, and I appreciate you coming in to give us heads or tails about what happened yesterday in the Supreme Court. When do you think the next case can come? How quickly? Because that's the time frame in which something needs to be either legislated or agreed to or yeah. hammered out. Like that's the clock that's now officially ticking Kessler's, from yesterday. Yeah, Kessler's phone's probably ringing off the hook over the next case. But as you know, it's got to go through all the levels to get to the Supreme Court. Correct. The better option is going to be Congress. And then it's going to be what kind of bill legislates college athletics. You know, and is the NCA out? You know, you know where it becomes federal. Of course. Well, you know, deadline spur action. That's another one. Another one of yours. <laughs> I right. threw that out there. So that's one. what I'm saying. So that, but when, how quickly can a case come? Do you think 2023? Like yeah. we, there's two years to figure. I think this that's thing basically out? the time frame. About two years. Meanwhile, college sports will have NAL. Six states at least, maybe ten by July 1st. NCAA's got to do something. Wow. More of these leagues, especially basketball, are forming. Andrew Brandt, thank you for coming on here on the Rich Eisen Show. I appreciate that. Just let me know whenever you're out here. I'll have you. Yeah. This chair is yours. My son's here. I'll be here a lot. I appreciate Justin it. Justin Rose, one of the best players on the PGA Tour, will be joining us next. And then Titus Welliver, the actor, coming up in hour number three of this program. Don't go anywhere. We're still here on Peacock, though. we got two more minutes left to, to chop something up here. Um, Vaccines? Yeah, real quick on that. I mean, I know, <laughs> but we do have two minutes. Yeah. With the, the the NFL and the NFLPA have hammered out everything that we're seeing, they've already agreed to these things, right? Yes. So then, what what are what are they telling Cole Beasley from the from the Players Association to say that they're still working on it, that it's not official? Like he's Cole Beasley saying that it's not, oh. but it seems like it is, right? This it seems is- like it is. It seems like they're not telling you not to get vaccinated because they can't do that, right? Or yeah, or to get vaccinated, right. excuse me. But they're isolating. They're isolating those who don't get vaccinated. It's like, we're going to put you in the corner until you're vaccinated. And the big issue to me, Rich, is that for Cole Beasley, Sam Darnold, Kirk Cousins, Josh Sweat, they've got job security. But, you know, it's going to be logistically, how, like you raised before we were on, like in the room, out of the room. If you're Josh, Zoom. if you're, if you are Josh Allen, he was concerned, uh, questioning that as well. If you're a quarterback, and you're now you now have to zoom into this meeting the meeting room. where all your fully vaccinated players are sitting there in a film room. We're watching this, and then there's your starting quarterback on on a screen. Is that literally the way it may go? I would think. And what about our, a player who's less who doesn't have job security? Can, yeah, you think See, that's somebody, what I worry about. Would the would the would the players' association file a grievance for a player who feels he's been cut because he hasn't been vaccinated? I think good luck with that because they agreed to these things. They agreed to these protocols. I mean, I know firsthand in August, those cut down days, and you're going to have two, three, four players equal. Well, this one's not vaccinated. Easy. Easy. Done. <laughs> yeah. Out. I mean, we're going to cut six. We're, we're cutting 30 guys in, in September 1st. Yeah. So Easy. a player who's on the bubble and doesn't want to see the Turk should yes. see, should see the vaccinator. They're looking for reasons to cut guys. Because everyone's so close. It's, you know, it's a fungible team below the top 30. So, yeah, I worry about that with the unvaccinated players. So, again, if Kirk Cousins and Josh Sweat and Cole Beasley, you know, they're good, but they have to deal with these protocols. But, you know, unavoidable politics. It's happening. Andrew Brandt here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Check out his work on the MMQB, the Business of Sports podcast, and his Sunday 7 newsletter. Thanks for coming on, brother. My pleasure, Rich. Enjoy. Hour 2 coming up.